You are listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. This is a podcast about maternal mental health. Disclaimer, we are not professionals. We are moms who've experienced this ourselves and want to share our stories and stop the stigma. Heads up, some content may be triggering. We are recording from the Stone Sheba podcast studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and more. Hey everybody, it's Leslie. And I'm Lindsay. And we are here with an extra special co-host, Serena. Thanks, hi. (laughs) And then we have Jessie here with us. Hello. Um, She's going to share her story with us and we're super excited. So go ahead and just start from day one. Okay. Uh, (laughs) My name is Jessie and I have six beautiful kids here on earth. I have one boy up in heaven. That's a little bit what we're going to talk about today. So I have five girls and a boy ages 1 to 13 and in 2015 I was pregnant with my it was my fifth pregnancy and my husband who's in the military had just returned home from a year-long deployment and we were so excited about getting pregnant again and him being home and just life going on as normal and then when we found out it was a boy we were thrilled because we had three girls and then a boy and now we were getting another boy so that our boy would have a brother we were so excited so this was yeah like I said in 2015 and I was uh, 23 weeks pregnant when he passed away and um, it was really devastating for so many reasons but um one that particularly stuck out to me for some reason was that uh, I feel like I don't usually really open my heart up to the baby until we've had like that 20-week ultrasound and they're able to check everything and it's all healthy and he was he was perfectly healthy and that's when you really tell everybody and you start to make all your plans and um, it was just a cord accident just his cord got tied in a knot basically and so um, one day I just was, I can just remember I was making my bed and I thought, oh man, when was the last time I felt him move? <laughs> like, just silly. And you know, when we're pregnant, we just have these thoughts all the time of like, oh, you know, it was probably this morning. I just don't remember. Or, you know, we worry and then we're like, no, but I'm sure everything's fine. So I went throughout that day, just like, oh, I just need to pay better attention. And then I still didn't feel him. So like, I better like drink orange juice and lay down, you know, like the real deal. And still didn't feel him. And just wouldn't allow myself to believe anything could possibly be wrong because he was so healthy and at like 10 o'clock that night and it's like a Sunday and we have all these little kids and I, I didn't let my husband go to the hospital with me because I was still so sure everything was fine that I was just in a weird position and the placenta was in the front so it was kind of hard to feel him in general um, harder than it had been in previous pregnancies and um, so I was just like, you stay here with the kids. I'm just going to go get this checked out just so that we can all feel better. Right. And as I'm driving there, I just know he's gone. Like that was the moment I knew he was gone. And I was like, I should go home and get Brad. Like, what if I get there and I'm alone? And But anyway, you're kind of irrational in those moments. I just committed and I went anyway. And the nurses were very surprised that I was alone. They were like, oh, you know, is your husband? 
can your husband be here? They, they hadn't even checked me out yet, you know. And I was like, he's home with our kids. Like, we totally could have called someone over. It's so funny. But um, so they did an ultrasound and couldn't find a heartbeat. But they said, you know, let's just go get a better machine. And why don't you call your husband down? Like, like let's get your husband here. So one of my amazing friends just came over and was at my house till like three in the morning. But um, Brad was able to come down right about the time the on-call doctor came. And they were able to truly confirm there was no heartbeat. And it's just, it's just life changing. It's just completely devastating. And anyway, we had so many awful and wonderful experiences with all of that. Just going through delivery. I mean, there's some really poignant moments of everything up until the moment he was born was so like tumultuous because we didn't know why he'd passed away. We didn't know what he would look like. We didn't know how many days he had been passed away because I truly, and this took me a while to like forgive myself for this, but I truly couldn't remember the last time I had felt him like definitely, you know, and the nurses were amazing. My doctor was amazing. Everyone took such good care of us and we were able to deliver him and another really poignant moment after spending just a beautiful day with him and knowing that it was just an accident that you know nothing had gone wrong like on account of my health or you know anything I could have done differently and um, just holding his perfect little body and then the moment that we had to give him to the the mortuary for them to take him into their care and then leave the hospital with no baby <laughs> anyway there's just some of those moments that stick out to me and actually I was watching a show the other day and the woman had a stillborn baby and she wouldn't give the baby up and all of that came flooding in me of that moment that she had to like pass this baby off and mostly most mostly my memories of all of that now are just sweet I've come I mean it's been years and I've come through so much of the journey and the pain and the healing and just the time that it takes to go through all of that mostly it's all sweet now but there's still moments where that all just comes back up and I was just sobbing and my kids are like mom what's wrong and I'm like just just let me <laughs> have a minute here and um so thank you <clears throat> Um, anyway, so this was April of 2015. He was due in August. And I didn't, you're kind of in survival mode at the time. And I didn't realize that I just t wasn't totally myself because you're in the thick of grief you're in the thick of you know post postpartum stuff like for you know I had to take medicine to stop my milk I had to you know you're you're going through all of that with with no baby you know and we just were so buoyed up by the people around us and then one another thing I really remember from that was all of that pain and grief felt so purposeful but then I would have I would have things that would come up that would really like, for example, like five weeks after he was born, I think it was, 
I accidentally left my wedding ring at the gym, and when I went back like ten minutes later, it was gone. And I, I think I cried harder when that happened than I mean, not not truly, truly, but then when Keith died. But his name was Keith. There you go. Um, there there was like senseless loss that would occur that would like bring all my grief back up, and just for days I just sobbed about this wedding ring and now when I look back on it I think like you know anyway so it's just interesting to kind of look back on it and see how I was not equipped like I was just still really suffering and really low and and not equipped to handle like that would be really hard but it was like devastating to lose my wedding ring so that's that's an interesting observation that I have now but um, anyway I wasn't totally myself but I was just kind of allowing for it because I knew I was going through a lot of grief I knew I was going through having had a baby and I decided, and I think no one was willing to question me, but I decided to get pregnant again right away. So we were pregnant by August, which was his due date, basically. So uh, I think I was scrambling to feel better. I, I'm really glad I got pregnant again, but it was incredibly hard. And I now I wished I had waited a little bit, given myself a little more time. But in the moment, I just needed a baby in my arms and i am i am able to get pregnant pretty easily and so i was just like honey it's time <laughs> he's like are you sure i'm like don't question it <laughs> i was i was running that show so um we, we we got pregnant again quickly my body miraculously just handled it like a pro i actually had a baby in 2015 in 2016 and 2017 so two healthy pregnancies after this loss That's and awesome. um the the two girls my youngest two are 18 months apart but it's just kind of funny that it was the simultaneous years like that so a year later after losing him i had a newborn and oh actually sorry let's go back a little bit to the pregnancy i this was when the postpartum set in was while i was pregnant with this new baby and did you know that's what it was? Had someone told you you could get that when you were pregnant? No. Or when did you? Okay. I still thought that I was just dealing with regular grief. Um, and I was, again, just kind of like allowing whatever I wanted and needed to just kind of help myself. But when I finally, I started to realize that I wasn't talking to anybody. And that's not like me at all. Like, th- these were the, my real cues of the depression was when you just start to notice the things that are just really not like you, you know? And so I noticed I wasn't talking to anybody you're about a very social person. Yeah. About anything I was feeling. I was going to say, Serena, you're her close friend. Did you? She's very that? social. Yeah. She's always been like the house everyone's gone to. She's always been like the glue that kind of keeps everyone together, plans everything for everybody to keep in contact. She's a very social person. Very good at that. And good at, you know, yeah. being a good friend. To yeah. Everybody, yeah. So. And I'm, I'm a sharer. I'm a talker. I'm That's why we get along so well. Yeah, it's <laughs> so good. And I wasn't talking to my husband what I was feeling. And he was kind of doing his own grief thing, which... And grief covers up so much yeah. stuff, I feel like. Mm-hmm. When you're in the midst of grief while experiencing that, it's so yeah. easy to write off your feelings as it's it's grief. Yeah. Like, you don't take a second look at yourself. Yes, Because absolutely. you feel like that's what it is. And he had this weird work schedule at this time where he was working from, like, noon to midnight. And so we were just really missing each other. And I didn't realize, I think because of that, I didn't realize that I was sleeping a ton. That was a big cue for me because, you know, when you're pregnant and you're tired and you're morning sick and you just 
sleep a little bit more and, and when you're asleep you're not feeling nauseous and I just it, t- it took me a while to realize like if I didn't have anyone to take care of I would just go back to sleep and mm-hmm. go back to sleep and go back to sleep and then the kids would go to bed and I'd go back to sleep and then he'd get home at midnight and I'd wake up and like eat dinner with him and then go back to sleep like I was just just sleeping all the time and I, I had to like really think about my previous pregnancies and say like even when I was like at my sickest I never slept this much and then this one's kind of funny so you know how you're always looking for like the silver lining of being pregnant mm-hmm so one of mine is that my sex drive goes way up. And so I love that about Ooh, being pregnant. Pass that around. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, talk about a silver lining. I love it. And so um, I had enjoyed that during Keith's pregnancy and this pregnancy, nothing. And and I thought, oh, it's probably just because I'm still grieving. I'm still working through all that. But I truly was feeling, well, sort of better. <laughs> anyway. On, on the tiredness, were you genuinely tired? It was just like, I don't want to leave my bed. Yeah. Like, I'm just, it wasn't actually. I, I wanted just, to escape my brain. To just stay there. Mm-hmm. And that's what I started to realize was, I, I'm not tired. I'm choosing to sleep yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Like that. So though, like a couple of those things like that, not talking, sex drive, sleeping way too much. Sleeping is easier than dealing with the feelings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sleeping is like Amen. the sweetest escape. Oh man. Mm-hmm. But not long term. <laughs> anyway. And then, I definitely was dealing with a lot of what finally showed me that I was truly depressed and I needed to do something about it was I was refusing to connect to this new baby out of like self-preservation because I I wasn't thinking if she dies I was thinking when she dies like my brain was like a little altered right like I could see logically that I didn't know she would die, but like my brain could not see another reality. And and it was a preservation thing. It was a this way if I'm planning on her dying and she dies, because when Keith died, it like knocked my world out from under me because it's like a you know, it's like a car accident. It's like everything's fine and then boom, it's not. It, it, and you never thought about it. It wasn't like an option in your yeah, head really. Yeah. And and to have someone just yanked from you like that and so I just thought well it'll be safer and less painful if I just don't connect to this baby mm. plan on her dying and then when she lives it'll just be like this happy mm-hmm. and in the in the time that felt like a really good plan and like totally logical but I didn't realize like how much I was suffering for for that plan and I think the suffering was what made me like want to go to sleep because I was in so much pain like I really thought oh yeah this is a good plan and I'm feeling better but I was in so much pain truly and I would see people post pictures of their babies. And I, I wasn't ever, like, resentful that their babies were healthy. But I honestly would catch myself thinking, like, they are so lucky that their baby lived. Like, I realized that my brain was, like, a little bit broken. Like, instead of most babies live and some die, my brain was believing most babies die and some live. And I just thought, that is so interesting <laughs> that our brains can so powerfully just take on this new belief that I logically knew was not true, but I absolutely believed it in that time. Did your husband know, like, had you talked to him about that, that's that you were having a hard time bonding with the baby you were pregnant with and all that? Was he kind of, this is when I started talking to him, but up until that point, I hadn't said anything. This was all just my internal dialogue, my internal plans. This was how I was going to stay safe and not hurt. Like I've, like I hurt with Keith. Did he realize you weren't quite yourself? Like, I don't think so, but again, or I like think it was the weird so schedule. Much, just the, yeah, because then the, see, since well, yeah, he worked he till midnight, yeah, because he, yeah, and he he's grieving too. So since he worked till midnight, and then he would get home and like have his evening till like three a.m. and then it was he would sleep until like eleven a.m. Get up, shower, and go back to work, and and then I, you know, we were just ships in the night. We were missing mm-hmm. each other, 
And so he couldn't see my normal. I couldn't see his. It was just a weird... Anyway, so once I pieced all this together, probably I was about three or four months pregnant. And I realized, like, I've got I've got a problem here. Like, I, I need to start talking about it. I need to start telling people what I'm feeling. I need to take a little action here. And... I resisted it a little bit, but not too much. I've, I've, my sister has gone through postpartum like really badly. And I, I, so I kind of thought I knew I was watching for it, but it totally was different with me because it was also mixed with the grief and things. She was, um, you know, very, very suicidal, very, um, you know, anger and hurt and pain. And mine was just the numbing and the grief mm-hmm. and the just not feeling like myself. And <laughs> yeah. So I, knowing, watching what she had gone through, I knew like I need to just, people and just ask for help and just make you know get help for this baby for me and for this baby i feel like it's good you realize that on your own yeah on your own because a lot of people don't no, yeah. like most stories, yeah, yeah most stories <laughs> you listen to they don't even think to ask for help or to talk about it yeah. at the time I, I was still they feel so alone i was still embarrassed like i kind of didn't want to believe it but i i guess i just knew to get past that so i i literally remember like going in my closet in the dark, shutting the door, hiding to call my doctor and say, I have a problem. I need to see someone, talk to someone. Because I was like, didn't want my kids to hear. Or I don't know. I was embarrassed. I don't know. So I like made that phone call on the floor of my closet. And my doctor, I, I talked to her nurse at first, um, obviously. But um, she took it very seriously, brought me right in, talked to me about what I was feeling, what I was doing, what I was thinking. Um, she probably was watching for it in a way, knowing that I... I mean, because when I asked her if I could get pregnant right away, she was like, technically, yes, but I'd probably recommend giving it a year. And I was like, but you said yes, right? (laughs) I I heard yes. (laughs) Yeah. So she was, I probably watching me and knowing it all. And I just, anyway, um, so she got me right in with a great therapist. We we evaluated at the time if I should go on meds and partly because I was pregnant, partly we we decided just to start with the therapy, the one-on-one therapy. And it was everything just for me. I was sharing a little bit more now with like my husband and my parents and you know siblings or whatever but I still I think the power in the therapy for me was talking to somebody who I didn't need to like comfort like that they weren't I grieving know, yes everyone in my well. life was grieving the loss of Keith just like me mm-hmm. I mean not just like me but as well yeah and when I would talk to my mom I would catch myself just worrying that I was making her really sad with how much it had affected me and how deeply I was in pain and hurting. But to be able to tell a neutral third party, like not even my husband, like I, I wanted to connect with my husband over it, but we were grieving in different ways. And that actually kind of brought up some more pain Mm -hmm. in that moment when I was still so vulnerable. And so just that neutral third party was life changing for me because I just went every week. And as I went through my week, I thought about what I was doing, how I was feeling, what we were going to talk about, what I wanted to say, you know what it would do for me and how it would help me and how I could reflect on how I was progressively getting better and I met with her probably for a couple of months and I was just feeling so much better and I I might have continued I think she ended up she moved office offices to an office quite a bit further away from me and we talked about maybe just meeting like once a month and it just kind of didn't happen you know that that happens yeah. but truly I was feeling so much better the, one of the biggest things she helped me do was feel safe to love my baby mm. and that was a big piece of the healing for me because 
the the piece that I needed was prepa- preparing or planning on someone dying isn't going to make it hurt less. It's still going to be devastating if I lose this baby. So I might as well just be all in with my heart, with my love, with my connection. I needed the connection with her. Like not everybody. I've talked to lots of women who don't feel very connected to their baby in pregnancy, but that is a reflecting on my first four, five pregnancies. That is a crucial step for me to get through the pregnancy of, I know I find out the gender right away at her dad's office <laughs> or for the first couple. Um, her dad <laughs> delivered Marin, my second. Ooh. Anyway, um, and finding out the gender right away, I picked the name right away. We call it by that name, the whole pregnancy. pregnancy. I, I, I always super connect with my babies while I'm pregnant. And that was the huge piece I was missing in that self-preservation moment. And so she just walked me through knowing that no matter what happens, I could handle it. The pain was awful, but I could do it again. And I was suffering. I was adding extra suffering with this unproductive way my brain had offered me to stay safe. And so to just allow, like, allow myself to open up my heart to this this pregnancy. And actually, you know, I had these two babies pretty close together, partly because my husband was getting ready to deploy again when we were trying to decide, you know, are we having one more? Um, how close should we have them? And then he got the notice that they'd be going. And I was like, I want like a 10-month-old when you leave, not like a two-month-old. So let's... <laughs> And he was like, "Are you sure?" And I'm like, "Don't question." I just, I just, I run the schedule, and he, well, he's, he's okay with he's, that. He's a good guy. He, he wants is. to make you happy. He is. He's amazing. He really. Is. He's amazing, and he's come a long way through all of this. And, um, yeah, it's, it was really just fascinating to have postpartum depression while being pregnant, and also like knowing I brought that on my, like, like, I think you didn't that was bring it on yourself. Well, I know. I think the part. The reason I I held back for a while while I was I was like I chose to get pregnant again and I probably brought this on by going too fast and I can just get through this and so yeah that that did play a part when I really first started to realize how everything was going was I was like well I I chose this this was the path I created so I I need to just deal with this and then I realized that was crazy pretty fast and yeah oh we just have this whole mind chatter going on that I know it's crazy part of it's helpful part of it's super not. <laughs> So when you ended up having the baby, did you still feel that postpartum? Did it go away? I I would say I was mostly better before the baby was even born. Um, I still had quite a few, like I said, poignant moments when she was a newborn um, where I would feel, and this was probably more just the grief bubbling up as it does for years you know I would feel I'd be holding her in the middle of the night and when they're a newborn you know they could be a girl or a boy you know you're nursing the night you know you're just holding them and I would just look down and be like this could be him and I would just feel that robbed feeling of I didn't get to take care of my son as a newborn and be his mom but I don't think that was the postpartum that was just the grief bubbling up and I think that was kind of a nice distinction for me to be able to just because then when I could identify that it was the grief grief I feel like is really productive and you you let it come up and come through and move through you and it doesn't 
fight as hard. It heals you a little, yeah, like accepting it's, it. It's necessary. And when it's depression, it's it's holding you back. It's keeping you still and stuck. And so that, that was another thing my therapist kind of helped me realize because I was like, I'm having trouble sorting through what's grief and what's depression. And and so she could help me see that. And um, I think I even, with both pregnancies after losing my son, I had to um, really, I want to say battle my mind, but that might not be the right phrase, just work with my mind every single day of intentionally thinking what I wanted to be thinking because my brain never wanted me to let go of like, but they could die, you know, like, and that was still maybe a little bit of depression, maybe a little bit of grief. But I would, like, I would wake up in the morning and I would think my first thought almost every morning of both pregnancies was, what if they didn't move all night and you didn't know because you were asleep? Like, how dare you sleep (laughs) and not know that your baby didn't move all night? So you better, like, I had a heartbeat monitor and I would check myself and I would try to never do it alone because sometimes you can't find it and that doesn't mean anything. (laughs) You know, sometimes you, like, can't find it on yourself. So I would just, like, wait till my husband home from work and I was like, check the heartbeat. He was a pro at it because I would would just need that reassurance from time to time. But I would just remind my brain, like, that line of thinking doesn't doesn't serve me. It doesn't help. It doesn't protect me. It just makes me feel awful. Awful. And I can, like, you know, this baby will live and if it doesn't, I can handle that too. Because I've done it. I've handled it. I could do it again and I would do it again. And that was a point I got to after healing from Keith was like what a privilege it was to be his mom. And I'd, be, I'd do it again and I would do it again. I would go through everything to be his mom. And I would spend some time thinking about how he was grateful to me for that. For being willing So what's the next step from this where you, you've got your baby, you're learning to grieve, you've gone to counseling, you've got the tools that you wanted at the time, that needed at the time. Where is from there to here where you're at today? What have you learned and what are you doing for self-care and how you're processing the grief still? Tell yes. us that part. So my youngest is almost two and that feels amazing to be moving on from baby world but the way uh, about a year and a half ago I discovered life coaching which um, either through if you've heard of Jody Moore or Brooke Castillo and just the mind management model the self-coaching model that you can use to really identify what your thoughts are and what feelings those thoughts are creating and then what result that's creating in your life talking earlier about like changing your mindset that is really impressive to me because as somebody who's been th- like I had really bad postpartum depression anxiety and grief and I could not separate those thoughts mm-hmm. I couldn't change my mind like I wouldn't have been able to do that so mm-hmm. I look at that and that like completely amazes me mm-hmm. because I, I feel like most people caught in in that and in the middle of it and having a new baby and dealing with all the hormone changes after having a new baby the fact that you're able to do that and realize okay what I'm feeling is grief or this is not grief anymore. Mm-hmm. And then to be able to change your mindset and think, okay, this isn't serving me to think this way. That to me is really impressive mm-hmm. because I feel like that's a, a lot harder to do than people realize. Cause yeah, if they haven't absolutely. felt that before. Absolutely. And one part of it 
probably truly did happen at the time but part of it is just how i understand it now as i look back on it you know it's kind of hard yeah. to decipher yeah. which but that's what so, you're saying with the life coaching routine. yeah so i um enrolled in jody moore's be bold program and started to get coached regularly and and coach myself regularly to just i love the model because you can just take a slice of your thoughts our thoughts are so it's like a um, a snow globe like so jumbled and when you can like make it hold still for just a second and just get a handle on what you know what your brain is offering you what you're creating with that and how that feels in your life and results in your life and I fell in love with it and I started my own program and it's been so fun and then I decided to go to life coach school so now I'm like a certified life coach so I just you. finished That's my awesome. certification program at the life coach school which is Brooke Castillo's school if you know who that is I love her podcast. She's amazing. Yeah. She's life changing. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> that's so cool. So that's yeah. what keeps you going. That's what keeps you oh. taking care of you and being able to help other people. And Absolutely. And coming from a space where I think women, like I think half the reason we go through the hard things we go through is to be there for other people going through it, either for their first time or, or just maybe if they don't understand what they're going through or how it's affecting them. Because we connect with other people, have that shared that shared experience connection and to be able to have come through all of that and know what I know now and have the opportunity to share it with women who maybe aren't willing to share what they're feeling at the time like that's like I said I'm a sharer like I'm willing to say you know be vulnerable say embarrassing things say in private things and I think that that can really help women when they feel like they're alone. And I know it helped me when I was in the thick of it. And so to work, to always be making my mental health a priority and then also be in that space to reach out and help when I can women who, who are in the thick of it. I mean, we all are truly all the time. And so like my, um, my, na- my niche is military spouses dealing with deployment for life coaching and I talk about how like we're all in like the trenches of life together like you know we're just we're in this together and that's that's kind of where i start from that's awesome i love that so let's ask the magic question okay um and this i think this applies to your grieving too not just Mm -hmm. postpartum but for moms out there that have either dealt with loss um or postpartum either way what would you tell them or go back and tell yourself on that like worst darkest saddest day for you what would you go say to her i would tell people in their darkest grief hours to just allow it just don't fight it don't um wish it weren't happening just know that as you let it move through you it actually is healing like Serena was saying it's part of the process and it looks different for everybody and you're kind of never done with it even though you do get to points where it feels better most of the time and then you'll be watching a tv show or some or Or taking a shower yeah something something will happen and it'll just bubble up again there's no problem with that um I would say give yourself a lot of grace that was something that I I wish people had said to me, but nobody really knew I was struggling that much, but just let it look like whatever it needs to look like. Give yourself grace. And, um, I was building a lot of evidence 
of how I was letting myself down, letting my family down, letting, you know, like I need to be done grieving so that I can be a person again, right? But to just build evidence of all the things I was doing right, that's what I would recommend because whatever we ask our brain to look for, it will find. And mm -hmm. I was looking for how I was failing and letting myself down and other people down. And so to look, to take time to just switch that lens of, you know, how, how am I doing things well? And how is it totally okay that I'm feeling whatever I'm feeling? And how, how is this going exactly right instead of how is this going all wrong? Because I was finding that for sure. Can I ask, did yeah. it help when you were in therapy and you had a therapist saying, okay, you're doing this right or you did this good or this is getting better? Yes. Like, did it help having somebody else point out to you? Like, look at how much this has improved since you first started seeing me here. Yes, for sure. I would say some of that validation of like that my journey was going well and right and, and was you know on track if you want to say it that way but also it is hard to see subtle improvements in ourselves so to have someone else be like well you remember when we met four weeks ago you were thinking this and believing this and saying this to me and now look where you are you know to help have someone help you get that perspective was was really helpful hmm. well this has been a very beautiful podcast it has you are just so wise i feel like we have all learned so much from you and i just can't thank you enough for sharing oh it's been such a pleasure thank you guys so much and thanks serena for joining <laughs> thanks. us thanks for letting me you guys are awesome <laughs> thank you for listening to the rising phoenix podcast if you feel like you can relate and would be open to share your story with us please email us at rising at gmail.com for more information on local and national resources for pregnancy and postpartum health, visit www.postpartum.net or www.psiutah.org. We are recording from the Stone Sheba Podcast Studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and others. Thanks for listening.